It is so good to see some faces that we have been missing back with us today, isn't it? Amen. Have you ever been around somebody you would consider a Debbie Downer? Do you know what that means? Somebody whose glass is always half empty. Their glass is never half full. Someone that um, perhaps you might consider negative. Or if you say, man, it's a beautiful day, the sun is shining, and they may say, yeah, but it's going to rain tomorrow. Because they always see the dark, the cloud, the critical, the negative side of things. And if you don't know anybody like that, are you even on social media? Because you can scroll through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram one time and you'll see something negative, right? We can even turn on our news, local news, national news, foreign news here in the United States. We are living in a society that is permeated with negative talk. But do you know that we, as followers of Christ Jesus, do not have to become slaves to lies, negative self-talk, or cultural ideology? Because we can realize that we have the mind of Christ, and we can know his will for our lives. And the reason we know this is found in Romans 12 and 2. We're going to take a look at this one verse today. So if you have your Bible and you want to grab it, we're in Romans 12, verse 2. I'll read it for us this morning. Romans 12 and 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's take a look at the first part of this verse. It says, And do not be conformed to this world. It's pretty easy to understand that this is saying do not copy the fleeting actions or the catchy words of the present times or the present culture in which we live in. Just because everyone else is saying it doesn't mean you should. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you should. Not only should we not, but we're told not to. Conforming means acting like the world. Here's some things that the world is saying right now. The world says, hey, you do you. Have you guys heard that one? You do you. They also say, uh, they used to say this a lot. Hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Pull yourself together, right? How about this one? Self-love first. We hear that a lot now. Self-love first. Self-love first. But you know when we hear this stuff that that's actually against the word of God. That's speaking completely contrary to the word of God. The word of God says this. You don't do you. You do Jesus. And then you prefer others second. And the last person in that equation is you. It's not you do you. It's not self-love first. It's Christ love first. He says to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and then love your neighbor, which is who's your neighbor? Everybody as yourself. 
Yourself is the last person in that equation. You don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, guys. You know what you do? You submit to a holy God who wants to reach his hand down and pull you up. That's what we should be saying. That's what we should be living to not be conformed to this world. I have a story for you that I think sort of illustrates not being conformed to this world. Several years ago, when Terry and I still had a home, we purchased AT&T Internet. I'm not touting a commercial for AT&T Internet. It was just really affordable. In fact, that's why we got it, because they said $24.99 a month your internet needs. And I'm like, wow, that's great. And Terry said, that's so good. And they said, no ta uh, taxes are included, no fees, $24.99 a month. And so we signed up, we got it, we, we called them, and here we go, we got our first bill. It was not $24.99. It was not $25. It was like $32 and some cents. And we thought, well, maybe, you know, is the first bill. Maybe something's going on. We'll just sort of let it go. The second month the bill came, it was not $24.99 either. This time it was like $43 and some change. And I'm like, this is not adding up. I don't understand. And so I called. I called AT&T customer service. Have you ever called AT&T customer service? It was not a good experience for me, and I became frustrated very easily. I had um, difficulty expressing myself without being angry. They couldn't seem to tell me why my bill was more than it should be, but they didn't seem to care about fixing it either. They weren't going to comp me back down to what I supposed that I should get, and so I was even more frustrated because I wasn't getting anywhere and no one could tell me why the bill was more than it should be. I don't remember exactly what resolution came that second month of calling, but here's what I know. We paid the bill. The third month rolled around and guess what? The bill was not $24.99. The bill was not $32 something. The bill was not $43 something. This time the bill was in the $50 amount and I'm like, okay, this is not going well. So I called again and this time I was even more frustrated. I was disgusted and I did not try to curtail what I was saying because I thought if I was firm with them, they would hear what I had to say. They would fix the bill and all would be well and that did not happen. They didn't care. I got madder. No resolution came. Terry picked up the phone. Terry called. When Terry called AT&T, I expected him to really let them have it. And he was so nice. He was so kind. He was so gentle. And I was like, what is that? Nobody is going to do anything for you if you do that. And it wasn't but a few minutes later, and he had our bill down, reduced to $24.99. And I thought, what in the world has happened here? Something is not right. Well, the next month the bill came, and you can guess that it was not $24.99. And this time Terry said, why don't you let me call? And I said, okay. And every single month the bill was never 
So you may say, why didn't you just cancel service? Well, somewhere in there, in my rants and my threats, I threatened to leave them and cancel service. And they said to me, nuh-uh, you signed a two-year contract. I didn't agree to one that I knew of, but they said I did. So guess what? We were stuck with 24 months of calling in because the bill never one time in 24 months was what they said it should be. Never. And they could never tell us why. But every time I called, I ended up mad and frustrated. They ended up irritated, and nothing changed. But every time Terry called, the bill got put down to where it should be, and we paid the amount they told us. Now, every time I called, I was mean, angry, short-tempered. I sounded like the world, right? I deserve to have my bill taken care of. You deserve to treat me right because I'm a paying customer. While that may have been true, I was nasty. When Terry called, he never once lost his temper. He was gentle. He was kind. He was peaceful. He sounded like the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. And he always got more accomplished that way than I ever did. I know there's this saying about flies and honey, but I never really got it. Why? Because I was conformed to the world, and Terry was not conformed to the world's ways. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This is an utterly true story. And do you know that we are faced every day with moments of how we will respond we will not always be treated fairly. We will not always be treated justly because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, fear not, for I've overcome the world. He doesn't say if. He says when, meaning you will. But we have a choice. How are we going to respond? Are we going to conform to the ways of this world? Or are we going to conform to the ways of God's word. The second part of this verse says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's take a look at this. I read a commentator called Charles Ellicott, and this is what he said about our minds. He said, but be transfigured into that higher mode of existence that is in strict accordance with God's will. Do not act as other people act who do not know God. The mind, the mind, not the heart, we're talking about the mind. The mind is of itself neutral. When informed with evil, when informed by evil, our mind becomes an instrument of evil. But when informed by the Holy Spirit, our mind becomes an instrument of good. The mind performs the process of determining good and evil. The renewed mind is that which acts under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So you know what Charles Ellicott is saying? He's saying... You cannot have a transformed and renewed mind unless you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? I, ask, I asked a question of five really strong Christians. 
This is the question I asked them. These were not baby Christians. They're not new Christians. They're people who have lived serving the Lord for multiple years. This is the question I asked these five individuals. What are some negative reoccurring thoughts that you struggle with? I'm asking you that question now. I want you to think about this while I tell you what they said. What are some negative reoccurring thoughts that you struggle with? Two of the people I asked had the same answer, that they felt like they think regularly that they are a failure as a parent. One, I asked, struggled planning for every contingency of life. They feared a loss of control. Another, I asked, said that they tried to pre-plan every step of a transition as they were living in the waiting, and there was tremendous fear of the unknown. Another, I asked, said that he doubted the abilities the Lord gave him to be obedient to what God called him to do. Did you hear anything in those answers that sounded something like what you might be thinking? Do you ever doubt yourself as a parent or a grandparent? Do you ever worry about life, the roads or the direction it might take in a fear of losing control of money, of family, of situations? Do you ever worry about being in transition or the waiting and wondering what may happen next? Do you doubt any ability or talent that God has given you? Do you doubt that God even has a call or a purpose for your life? Doubt and fear and questions plague us all the time. Am I right? You see, this is the battleground. We have to know what this is. You guys, this is where the enemy comes at us. Those thoughts that I just said, they are not from you. They are not from God, but they are from the enemy of your soul who comes against you. And do you know where you fight him? Right here. Your mind is the battleground. Part of renewing your mind is taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In fact, let me just read that verse in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. It says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If this is our battle zone, and it is, we need to know how to war. And the word of God just gave us our battle plan. We are to take every thought captive. What does that even mean? Do you know that most experts say that every individual person has between 80,000 and 100,000 individual thoughts each day? That's a lot of thinking. I won't tell you who has more between men or women. I'll let you guess. But if we truly have 80,000 or more thoughts each day, how are we supposed to take every one of those captive? We don't even hardly have enough time to slow down. But that's the key. we got to slow down. We have to slow down and ask ourselves, what is this thing we are thinking? Who, this is my favorite question, 
Ladies, if you want to be part of our Saturday morning discipleship group, we have some really beautiful, rich times on Saturday mornings. We meet by Zoom. Some of us stay in our jammies, drink coffee, and we laugh and we look at the Word of God. But we ask this question a lot. And this is the question. Who authored that thought? Whatever you're thinking, where did it come from? Did it come from God? How do we know? Well, we know God's Word. And if we don't, we need to get to know God's Word. Because when we get to know God's Word, we get to know God. Was it good? Was it a good thought? Was it edifying? Was it holy? Was it perfect? If the answer is no, he did not author that thought. It did not come from him. Did we think that thought? Well, usually if it's degradating and negative, it probably didn't come from us, you guys. It probably came from the enemy of our soul. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. And he wants to destroy you. So negative talk in your mind doesn't come from you and it surely doesn't come from the Lord so it must come from the enemy of our soul sometimes other people around us speak things and those thoughts recur in our mind do you know that other people and I don't say this lightly can be a tool used of the Lord or a tool used of the enemy so the original author of the thought that you are thinking matters tremendously why because this is what you do with it who authored it well, if it was you or if it was the devil, you do not keep that thing. You cast it out. What does that look like? What does taking that thought captive mean? It means what Hal Perkins says. He says, get out your imaginary knife, put it in the back of that thought, and march that thought to Jesus and say, Jesus, did you author this thing? And when he says, no, you cast it out. You kick it out at knife point. You remove it from your thinking. You remove it from your truth. You do not accept that. That's taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. March it in front of the Lord Jesus. And when he says it doesn't belong to him, cast it out. Now, if he says, I sure did say that about you, you are amazing. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are cherished. You are chosen. You better hold tight to that thing because that's your truth. But if it isn't, you cast it out. And by the way, as my little Weight Watchers coach, Missy Jersey and I go to Weight Watchers together, and our little Weight Watchers coach says this every week, rinse and repeat. What does that mean? You got to do this a lot. If you have 80,000 thoughts a day, you're going to have to slow down and repeat this process because the enemy's never going to slumber. He's never going to stop. He's always going to take every opportunity he can to slip a thought in your mind because that's the battle. That's the ongoing war. The only time it stops is when we rest. And Jesus protects our mind as we sleep, the word says. It stops when we're reading his word. When we're meditating and soaking on his word, the enemy can't come at you when you're in this. When you're worshiping, when we're praising, and we're not thinking about all these things, but we're focused on him, the enemy can't come near. Those are the moments that we have that rest, and that comes from the Lord. All right, let's take a look at the rest of this verse. The next part of the verse says, so that you may prove... <coughs> what the will of God is, 
that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, let's look at the word prove. Prove actually means a couple of things here. It means, one, we need to discern what the will of God is. And secondly, we need to choose to act upon it. Okay? That's what prove what the will of God is. The phrase, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect, means to take the right or to take the correct course of action or the thing willed by God, his way, his will. We need to choose it because it's good, because it's acceptable, and because it's perfect. I want to tell you this book that we're reading in today, Romans, is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome. I want to tell you the society that Rome lived in when they received this letter from Paul. Rome was a society of social order. This is the first century Romans. Class and order, rank and a caste system, meant everything to them. You see, there was levels in which you lived. You didn't break out of that. There, they say they were a perfect mix of sophistication with brutality. They wreaked havoc. They brought terror, tyranny, and greed to every country they entered into and conquered. And most of the world in the first century had been conquered by Rome. They had encompassed all of these different countries and cultures in which they had conquered. They would bring in their beliefs. They would bring in their sense of morality. So here's what pretty much happened in the moral state of the Roman church and the Roman living, excuse me, that anything goes. Anything goes. Right is right. Wrong is right. If you think it, it's probably right as long as you do it within your social class or order. Sexual sin was incredibly prevalent. Personal gain was the name of the day. Extreme partiality and bigotry was a huge problem in first century Rome. Does this sound familiar to you? It does not sound different than today. You know, not to get on a rabbit trail, but my great-granddaddy used to say, there's a song that we sing one day at a time. It's an old country song. And one of the lines in the song says, Well, Jesus, you know as you're looking below that it's worse now than then. I'm not sure that's true. And I'm not sure it's scriptural. Because the church in the first century of the Roman world was horrifically impacted by a terrible culture a terrible society, just like we are today. And so you guys, Paul wrote this to the church, the first century church at Rome, but it was written for us today. They were told that in the midst of complete chaos, they could know the will of God for their lives and choose to live it. They could know right from wrong and have a renewed mind by the Holy Spirit and live in it. And if they were told that then, it is no different for us today. And that is worth rejoicing over. We can know the will of God for our lives. We are his sheep. 
He is our shepherd. He wants us to hear his voice through his word, through the spoken and preached word, and he wants you to press in in prayer and listen to him. I want to tell you what Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary about this particular verse because there's something in it. It sounds really old-fashioned, but there's something in it that captivated my heart. I want to I test it with you. See what you think. Matthew Henry wrote, See to it that there be a saving change wrought in you and that it be carried on as conversion and sanctification are the renewing of your mind. Lay your souls under the changing, transforming influences of the blessed Holy Spirit. Church, we can know and lovingly obey the Lord's good and acceptable and perfect will for our lives. We do not have to be defeated by the enemy of our soul in our mind. We do not have to live with lies of the enemy as our truth. We do not have to be caught up in a negative self-image. You are chosen. You are perfected in Christ. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, not because of anything you've done, but because he is in you and he is righteous, so he makes you righteous. You see, you are sons and daughters of the living God. You have purpose and meaning, and he's given each one of you abilities and talents according to the purpose he has for your life. You can know that purpose and walk it out. So many people in this day and age bounce around from thing to thing, trying to fulfill the emptiness, the void, the hole in their life with anything they can get their hands on. But you know that that void is filled by Jesus Christ. And you don't have to guess what he's saying to you. You can know his heart. Amen? I want us to pray together. And then I want us to pray specifically for those in our family here, our church body, that are in need of a healing touch. As you guys are standing to pray, I want to pray um, with our online audience as well this morning. So will you stand with me, church? Let's join together. Father, right now I thank you so much for those that are viewing online this morning. They are our church body. They are our family too. And God, whether we see their faces or know their names or not, Father, you see them, you know them, and you love them. I thank you that this word is for them. I thank you, God, that you are meeting with them right where they are, in their car, in their home wherever they may be. Maybe they're even at work. Lord God, would you allow your word to continue to go forth to transform and do the job you sent it to do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that if any of our online church right now need a touch from you, that God, you would touch them by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that if they need a, a, a nudge, if they need a change in their life, would you continue to lead them to a path where they repent, God, where they submit, God, and would you make them uncomfortable until they do it, Jesus, I pray. Lord, I thank you that you love them, and God, we love them, and they're important to us. 
Now, Lord, I thank you for our church family here in the room. And, Lord, I'm praying right now that we will know your mind, that we will have your mind, that, God, we will take every thought that is brought to us in our mind captive to the obedience of you, Christ, that we will ask if this came from you or if it came from the enemy. God, we will help you help us to renew our mind, to stay transformed, God, by your word, by prayer, by fellowship. God, we love you today, and we thank you that this verse, this word can be our word, and it can be our truth today. God, I want to pray specifically for our members who aren't here today. Father, I pray for Bob and Jamie and the girls. Lord, I'm asking, and I'm not only asking, but I'm believing God for you to bring a healing touch to Bob's body, and we all agree in faith right now in the name of Jesus. Would you heal Bob, we pray. Father, I thank you for this family, their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that they love you and they serve you well. God, would you just wrap your arms around them today and bring rest Bring comfort and bring peace. Father, I thank you for John Jersey. Father, a man who I don't have to remind you works so quietly behind the scenes, so effortlessly for your kingdom, God. He loves you, Lord. Would you go to him right now and bring healing to his whole body, we pray in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that there is nothing in his body that will catch you by surprise. So God, would you right now just restore to perfect wholeness and health, John Jersey, in the name of Jesus. We agree with great faith, believing in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for our church family that isn't here. Although they may not be sick, we miss them, God. We love them, God. Father, would you minister to them? Lord, we want to pray right now that you would help us hear you so clearly. You have a purpose for this church corporately as a whole. You have a purpose for us, not just individually in our lives, but you desire to use us to reach this community and this city for your kingdom. Lord, we admit to you and submit to you in this moment that we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do that, and we don't know what it looks like. We've got some good ideas, and we got exhausted, and we don't want to be burnt out doing good ideas. We want to do what you say only. So God, would you begin to put within each of us, Lord, instructions that you would have this church walk out in obedience to transform this community, to look like you, to sound like you, to speak like you, to serve you. God, would you help us pray and listen and obey? Today, God, we sang, we will praise you before our breakthrough, and what we're saying is, God, we trust you. We trust you. And so, Lord, we just reiterate that. We trust you today, God, before we see anything change, before we see any breakthrough, before we see anything manifest, we trust you, Lord. And so we praise you, and we worship you, and we honor you, and we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the River City Hope Church podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on social media. For ways to give and more information, go to hope4rivercity.com. Hope4rivercity.com. 